I think most people aren't prepared for how long of the game it is and that the metrics that you're looking at probably aren't the metrics that matter. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Yo, yo, welcome to episode 122. Today, we're talking about how to build an industrial automation YouTube channel and a profitable business. Now, there's more to this title than you might think. We're not just talking about YouTube per se. That's because our guest today is Tim Wilborn, a self-proclaimed industrial sorcerer at TW Controls. Now, there are a couple things you need to know about TW Controls in this episode. First, TW Controls specializes in industrial automation training. They focus on PLC programming, electrical troubleshooting, Allen Bradley, and they also build PLC trainers and test kits for more do-it-yourself style training options. But in simplified terms, Tim and his wife Amber help maintenance folks and electricians become better technicians. That's the other thing. TW Controls is, as far as I'm concerned, the epitome of a family business. Tim and Amber have been running the business for over a decade, and now they have the help of a few other people that have joined them, including their kids. And that's part of what made this live episode unique. We recorded it at a coffee shop and co-working space in Chicago, Illinois, right before Rockwell Automation's annual automation fair event, and Tim's family was there. You'll see why I told you this as the interview gets rolling, but anyway, here are three things you can expect from today's episode. First, I told you this episode was about building an industrial automation YouTube channel. If you're already familiar with Tim, it's more than likely because you know about the YouTube channel they run that's also focused on automation and electrical how-to and training videos. Their channel has over 50,000 subscribers as of this recording, so you're going to hear how and why they built their YouTube channel. We'll cover a lot of tips around this, like, hey, how do you determine what content you're going to make? But I think some of the things we cover about the channel, its origins, and its growth might surprise you. Second, we're going to talk about what it's like being a part of a family business. We'll discuss work-life balance, when to say yes, when to say no to things. And finally, number three, Tim will tell us how he deals with his haters. This part's great. It wouldn't be a true episode about how to run a YouTube channel if we did not cover this. So definitely stick around until the end. As always, if you want to learn more, you can do that over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 122. And actually, if you want to join a community that includes myself and Tim Wilborn, this is actually kind of how we got to know one another years ago. Well, hey, join the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community over on LinkedIn. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. It takes you straight to our private LinkedIn group. And if you want to join, if you want to connect with other industry leaders and be a part of conversations like this, well, hey, request to join that group. Shoot me a connection request. Please send me just like a one or two sentence messages just saying, hey, I want to join the group. I will let you write in when I hear from you. Again, go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community to join today. And finally, let's uh, let's get started. It's time to meet up in Chicago with Tim Wilborn. It is party time. Awesome. Yeah. 
a long overdue moment having you on Manufacturing Happy Hour, as you kindly pointed out at IMTS. You're like, well, Chris has actually not invited me on the show before. And you've been involved in this since like since the beginning when it was kind of a campy Rockwell only video series and then evolved into a podcast. So welcome to a long overdue appearance on this show. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. And let's uh, let's talk about the setting real quick. I want to get your impressions on this spot. We are right down the road from McCormick Place. Rockwell's Automation Fair 2022 is about to be kicking off. And uh, I discovered this gem not too long ago, a coffee place called Momentum Coffee. What what have you noticed about this place, Tim? I love the atmosphere. And I love it's a co-working space. And I think especially starting out, you know, a lot of you think, Oh, I need a space. Well, no, I, I didn't need a space, but I do occasionally need somewhere to have a meeting. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I see here. Or we are a family business. I love you guys. My, my kids, and Amber and Mary <laughs> Bruce are right here, but sometimes you do need a little quiet time. And so, yeah, this would be a great space. Yes. And for anyone watching the video or listening to the audio, we kind of have a live studio audience here with yeah. the rest of the TW Controls team. You're encouraged to take videos, photos, whatever you feel makes good content because you are some of the best people in the content game when it comes to the automation industry. So thank you. Um, but with that, I'm, I'm giving a little bit too much away so far. As with any conversation, you know, we're sitting here drinking coffee at Momentum Coffee. Uh, highly recommend for anyone going to a conference at McCormick Place and needs a break or just needs to go to get work done. As you said, it's a co-working space. But uh, this is very real. It's not theoretical today. It's not as if we were having a drink one another. It's so... Tim, how do you explain what TW Controls does as if you're having a beverage with someone? I help people in manufacture, help people that keep our manufacturing plants running, improve their skills so they're always in demand. And how do you do that? I make how-to videos to help them, them learn how to troubleshoot machines. And how long have you been doing this for? 17 years, I 17? believe. Yeah. Wait, I didn't even realize it was that long. Well, I, okay, TW Controls, 17 years. But um, and now, my first video, and I may give a prize to somebody who can find my first video. My first okay. video is actually 2007. Wow. Yes, and it, it is not on my main channel, so it's not that easy as just going sure. to hunting for it. But yeah, shortly after that, uh, shortly after, I'll, I'll say 2008-ish, I probably put out my first how-to. Wow. Wow. So you were like an early YouTuber before all the kids were doing it. Before I realized what, what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's great stuff. You are you do have some of the best how-to videos in the space. And what have you grown the channel to just up to this point to give uh, some context? We broke 50,000 just uh, last month. Okay. Because I had, for whatever reason, I had like 34 in my mind, very arbitrarily, 34,000. Like, was that not, how long ago was that? Just to provide some context oh, to my, the um, hockey stick. Uh, yeah, Michael would be the one to know that because I know he made a thing for it. He's not even paying attention. Oh, yeah, maybe he's recording us. Yeah. yeah he's recording recording us. And uh, I believe it was about a year ago we were at 30. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I love these stories because it provides the, uh, let's say, the representation of how consistency pays off, right? Yeah. Those first thousand hundred, those low numbers are hard to get. But if you stay consistent, then that's where you get these amplified periods of growth in your yes. case, like 15 years down the line from when you started. We're approaching 15 years from 2008, which is which is crazy. So yeah. 
Um, well, in that case, let's hear about your story. How did TW Controls get started? Or actually, let's go before that. What were you doing before TW Controls? So before that, I was working for a local manufacturer, and really, I loved my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I had um, I worked for a local company that was really good about taking care of their employees. And the only thing is they really had, well, we'd have this discussion all the time. They had not kept with the times. They had not innovated. And all of a sudden they found themselves dated. Mm. And, you know, either you innovate or you die. And sure. So they get bought out. Mm. And I always say there are winners and losers in buyouts. And <laughs> I was one of the losers. Okay. <laughs> okay. So eight months pregnant, or Amber, mainly Amber being the one pregnant, I was there too. But um, eight months pregnant with our first kid, uh, yeah, we both quit our jobs and started TW Controls. And and I think we, sh- we should add some context since we mentioned the live studio audience today as well. Who makes up TW Controls today? It is my lovely wife, Amber, uh, Michael. My son, Wendell, my daughter, and our newest addition, Mary Bruce. I'm waving to them for anyone watching or not watching the video, listening to the audio, which is like 99% of the audience. But nevertheless, no, it's uh, I've enjoyed getting to know the team over the recent years as well. Mostly, I guess, post-pandemic, all things considered. We had met uh, before that. But um, I'm interested in asking you about the family business here in a little bit. But first... We got the background, winners and losers in a buyout, as as you so softly put it. Um, so when did TW Controls come about then after that? Uh, it was December of 2005. And yeah, we, uh, you know, it's funny. I love, because when I love your marketing efforts, I, you know, I, I knew how to build control panels. I knew how mm-hmm. to program. I didn't know how to put a quote out. I didn't know how to, you know, call the customer, all those things. And so I would love to say that we quit our jobs and there was tons of work, but uh, <laughs> yeah. no, there were, well, there was, there was tons of work that we needed to do and a tons of learning that we needed to do to get going. And, um, you know, I remembered something, um, my dad had sold his shop and I remembered something the new owner said, we, we did project work and, you know, the cash flow was always up and down, up and down. And I mean, Amber and I didn't have the money to deal with that. And I remembered him saying, uh, one day he's like, we're going to start selling air cylinders. And I was like, why are we going to sell, sell air cylinders? That's nothing about what we do. And he said, well, you have you need a product just to kind of pay your daily bills. And then, you know, use these projects to pile on the profit. And so we started kind of dabbling with making some products. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first product actually was a, a PLC trainer, coincidentally. It yeah. did not work. It was a total flop. I never <laughs> sold one. <laughs> and... Uh, but we did begin to figure out some things that we could sell. And we found, you know, we were, I was still doing a lot of on site work at that point. And so customers would call, they were having trouble. And I'm trying to talk it through them on the phone. And I, I realized, you know, I need a way to, you know, kind of give information on how to use these products. And so we uh, ended up, um, put, I put out my first how to video because I found that. They seem, we seem to get less calls if I had videos than mm-hmm. if I had text instruction manuals. Mm. And so that's kind of how we kind of stumbled into YouTube. Really? Yeah. So it was, it was simply a way to like reduce the amount of, let's say, reactionary yes. activity. You're like, well, if we just have all these how-tos out here, it allows us to focus more on growing our business, diversifying, doing new projects. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I guess there's always like, and that's not too far off for me. i built manufacturing happy hour partially out of necessity as well. Just, 
needing to reach a, a younger audience from when I moved to Texas to the Bay Area where there are a lot of young 20-somethings and 30-somethings yeah. making decisions out there. So <laughs> I didn't realize that that part of your story. Yeah. Why not? I guess one of my questions is, when did you start feeling like you were getting into a groove with your business? Was there a moment? Was it a gradual evolution? Um, there were a lot, you know, there were a lot of times I thought I had it, and then all of a sudden we'd have a major defeat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so yeah, that's a very relative definition of when do you think you have, you're in a Give me an example of a major defeat. Um, major defeat. Well, um, obviously project failures. Sure. I, I have failed in probably every way possible. Um, you know, realizing you know, that you need a strong team mm -hmm. and, you know, not everybody out there is necessarily as dedicated as you are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, I really, I, I tell you what, three months, uh, three months after, uh, we started the company, actually our first job was in El Salvador of all places. Really? Yes. Was that, that wasn't intentional. Was it? It just happened to be down there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we were really broke. I like yeah, seeing Amber, I like seeing Amber, <laughs> your business partner laughing in the background to these. I think this is one of the most unique elements of, uh, out of the hundred plus episodes I've done. I've never had this before. <laughs> yeah. So, we, you know, we, I, we were knocking on doors and getting doors slammed in our face and okay. Talk about defeat. That probably is the first defeat is knowing that you have the skills that a company needs Yeah, and not being able to relay that to them. Yeah. And so finally, you know, a customer answered the door and, <laughs> And he's like, yeah, well, we, we've got this control panel. It's this high purity water in this industrial wastewater system. You think you could do that? And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I have no idea what he's talking about at this moment. <laughs> and, you know, and he's like, yeah, so we're going to need someone to do um, the startup on it. It's going to be in El Salvador. And I'm like, okay, that sounds probably somewhere in the Midwest. I'm not exactly sure where really? El Salvador is. Really? Yeah, so I signed wow. on to this project. Wow, you, 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 you are a mid-Atlantic guy, that's for sure, <laughs> not knowing where the mid West is come on, <laughs> but yeah. So we um we did that, and, and it really we did feel like we were you know we were in that groove like you're talking about. But all of a sudden we got to the end of that project, and also we nosedived again. Mm -hmm. And I always, always tell people if, you know, they're like, you know, what, what should our grave look like? And I'm like, it looks exactly like the state of Virginia. And it kind of goes <laughs> up and then it's going to dip down. It's going to come up and it's going to dip down. I've and just never keep heard that, that before. But yeah, Virginia <laughs> definitely has an up and down look to it on uh, on its northern border. The yes. southern border is pretty much a straight line, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess you need to clarify on, on yes, this too. Yes, the northern border. So I, I had another question. I'm trying to, to think of what it was. So we're talking about your your jobs. Uh, oh, I know what it was. You mentioned how you know you have something that a customer needs that you can solve their problem, but you don't necessarily know how to articulate it yet. Yeah. How did you start articulating that? Or how did you start learning how to tweak your messaging to get customers to say, oh yeah, I do need to work with Tim? Uh, the biggest thing I did is really quit trying to do that. I really started trying to give them information to help them out in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're, when they're having, you know, when they're having that trouble and they're on YouTube trying to find it, I tried to be that person that came up. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when they're later on, like, I need to learn more about that. I tried to be in that position of when they're searching for it. Oh, there's that guy again. 
are, are do you get business from like the YouTube comments? Do you like see opportunities where you start talking yes. to someone and then that turns into like a sales call and eventually like a project? Yes. Um, and, and I never would have thought that. I never would have thought we would be where we're at with what we're doing. Uh, you know, because kind of rewinded back to, you know, I started making instructional videos really for some products we were trying to sell. And then we we built an analog simulator and it's a lot more difficult to deal with analog circuits. And so we started having to make a lot more just, hey, here's how an analog circuit, here's how a 4 to 20 milliamp works, here's our current loop, current source, all these things. And all of a sudden, you know, before it was like, okay, yeah, most of these views are obviously people who bought my product. But then all of a sudden it's like, okay, wait a second, why does this video have, you know, 5,000 views. We haven't sold 5,000 products. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, you know, these guys, these guys are not actually using our product, but they're definitely listening to us. And mm -hmm. so then I started realizing, oh, well, maybe I can make a video on how to do this and, you know, how to do this. And, you know, people always ask, well, how do you get your, you know, your first thousand subscribers? Before I even realized that there were subscriber, there, there was a subscriber count on YouTube. I mean, yeah. we had five thousand subscribers. And wow, I was just that like, was like the first time you realized that you're like, oh wow, there are five thousand people that are paying attention every time we release a video. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> really, YouTube was a very, um, it was very low priority for us. Uh, you know, really, we were more of, well, let's go talk to this customer, see what work they have, or mm -hmm. hey, this guy called, or you know, oh, they found our less, they found our um, they found our website on Google, <laughs> you know. So, really, YouTube came out of definitely came out of backfield for us. Do you consider yourself a digital marketer? At this point, or like an accidental digital marketer? I'm definitely the accidental YouTuber is what I always okay. tell everyone. Okay. Um, I do not put myself in the same, I will say, arena as you as far as marketing. I I, I watch a lot more of your content to figure out how I should market. I, I actually <laughs> think you're better than I am at it. I just use the label. I think there's something to be said about that as well. You're just out there doing it and making it happen and making PLC trainers and boom, like you're doing digital marketing in the process. I But I do think there's a great lesson for the audience to learn um, from your, like, not even paying attention until you realize you had 5,000 followers or not paying attention to the follower count. Because I feel like people get stuck with that, whether it's starting their business and wanting to have a ton of customers right out of the gate or in the digital marketing realm, wanting to have all those followers or subscribers or whatever mm. it is. But uh, it's a long game. And I don't think it, I think most people aren't prepared for how long of a game it is and that the metrics that you're looking at probably aren't the metrics that matter. I mean, don't get me wrong. Subscribers are a great gauge. Viewers are a great gauge. But mm -hmm. that doesn't really show whether you're actually making a connection to that audience. Are you building a community that you're that the people feel a part of? And that's a much more important gauge. And that's where Manufacturing Happy Hour, I think, does a great job. Because... Really, it's a community. I, I could say, hey, we're going to go to Manufactured Happy Hour tonight. And it's like, it's going to be a great group. And it, it was, just because you're giving information, teaching somebody something, doesn't mean you're actually getting that out of that video. Sure, sure. Well, it was, it was somewhat intentional calling it Manufacturing Happy Hour, being like, oh, this is a great live event title. It's a great podcast title. It, it, that, was, that was on purpose. I appreciate the kind words you're saying about it, but I mean you're a big part of that community and really I should say the industrial automation community as well. Um, so I appreciate all the work you're doing out there. Um, 
trying to think if there's a question I have to to wrap up this part of the conversation. We'll we'll get back here in a second. I'm sure we're not done talking about YouTube and subscribers. You've left us with a a lot of good information in that regard so far. One one other question I have is TW Controls is located in your backyard, correct? That is correct. Or technically side yard, but yes. Yeah, let's talk about work-life balance then. So oh, you're, my. And I have the same issue having a home office. I think most mm-hmm. people have the same issue now that we do the work from home thing so much. How do you, how do you balance that when work is literally, it's not even next door, it's on your property? Yeah, and there's where, you know, I, I, everybody wants to make it a balance and scale, and it's not, I don't believe it is. It's mm-hmm. much more of, you know, kind of two vines kind of weave together and really a lot of times you just have to say okay this you know we're, we're gonna have to take a break and it's not necessarily a break but maybe mm-hmm. it's you know we have a customer calling and he's like hey i want you to build these control panels it's like okay i could do that yeah but i've got to say no because you know there's only so many hours in a day and as ever will attest to i can work every one of them and yeah, then I went and hired Mary Bruce, who's just too much like me, and she can work every one of them. And so <laughs> we really, we have to, you know, the power of no is, you know, it's so important on that is, you know, we've got to be able to say no and be like, all right, yeah. no, we can't do it right now. And there's a flip side of that. Sometimes there is something personally sure. that we want to do. And I've got to look and say, okay, either the bank account doesn't say we're going to do it right now mm-hmm. or... And I know this, you know, this just can't happen right now. We definitely had a lot of sacrifices early on as far as, you know, vacations. I mean, most of our vacations it were me finding work somewhere. Yeah. You want to go to the beach? I'll go find us a job <laughs> at the beach. And that's how we got there. Amber's head has been nodding throughout this conversation. <laughs> Amber, if at any point you need to like rip my headset off and add your two cents, you're more than welcome to that. <laughs> um anyway so as uh as as we keep going through this i guess you brought up something that i have another question on is how do you decide to say yes at this stage and how do you decide to say no to something what are the factors that play into it in terms of like where you want to grow the business does it align with the main goal just you know balancing family time i'm i may be putting too many words into your mouth but no, i'll actually, let you you're roll not, with it. Um, you know <laughs> so you, and there's a couple of sides to that you know as far as you know, we'll call it growth of the business. Mm-hmm. More and more, it is you know, how, because I found they, they kind of correlate, is how can I do something to benefit the person that's out there in the field trying to do this? Yeah. And, you know, that's not always the most, or at least on the front, the most financially, mm-hmm. you know, um, we'll call it a, maybe the, not the highest um, in return on investment. Sure. But long term, I think, it, you know, it builds a lot of trust with people and that, gr- mm. you know, grows the business more. Now, the other side, because I couldn't quite figure out where you were going, is also we do have what videos are we making next? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that now, it, that kind of upsets some people because you would think, hey, yeah, I'm going to make a video because someone, this is a question they asked. Mm-hmm. And I used to do that. And that led to a really horrible burnout. Uh, sure. Which we can talk about later. But, yeah. But what now, you know, the video choices I make are curiosity. Yeah. In other words, what am I actually curious about? Because, you know, it users can be good and they can be bad at times. And so, the, you know, but if it's something I am genuinely curious about learning, then I can really weather about any storm as yeah. far as what we do. 
So you're building, so that's, a, so if I'm hearing right, there's been an evolution where you used to create the videos based on what people were asking, right? But mm-hmm. then, you know, they're kind of controlling your editorial calendar, your content calendar, and you can get to burnout, which we will talk about here a little later. But on the flip side, now you're doing it around curiosity, like yeah. you just said. So what, let me ask this, what are, what is, made you curious lately what has made me curious lately yeah um you know i always say i am the old crusty technician i am definitely you know and i this is one that probably even you will you know say oh not him but you know i am that anchor in the back of the but on the back of the ship that's keeping Mm -hmm. us from changing and honestly i am i am looking more of okay what of all this smart manufacturer and everything everybody's talking about is, you know, really here to stay in whatever it is marketing terms. Yeah. Because I think our, you know, our industry has not evolved at the rate it could. Yeah. And overall, I do think that's a bad thing, but also I think there's been a lot of fly-by-night things that have caused companies to say, nah, I'm not interested in doing that. Sure. You know, and I do see a tremendous benefit that if we would adopt some of it, that, you know, we could have such a faster evolution. I mean, Michael sat there pecking on his phone. How much has a cell phone changed in the last 20 years compared to manufacturing? <laughs> right, right. I know it's, we, we are, we are capable of that. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. I am. This is a bit of a discussion, a bit of two-way conversation, especially being at an event like Automation Fair, any trade show. You see some of the buzzwords and you're trying to separate what's marketing, what's real, right? Hmm. I think what's real goes back to what you were saying earlier about what actually solves a problem for someone, right? I think think a lot of things start with what solves a problem and then turn into marketing and we forget where we initially came from. But I mean, when it comes to smart manufacturing, digital transformation terms that for better or for worse, I often use interchangeably, you know, I see some of the best examples being simple cases of, well, not necessarily simple cases, but of someone being like, we need to create, like create increased capacity across Mm. our manufacturing operations. And we have 10 different plants that are running on different ERP systems. I look at that as a perfect example of leveraging smart manufacturing, standardizing a bit more to be able to get more throughput. But um, at least that's my impression. Yeah. I'm curious what you see when in that regard when you're talking well, about curiosity. Well, and I think, you know, the standardization is such an important word there. Mm-hmm. And I will say standardization, but not at the price of writing a new standard to compete with another standard. Mm-hmm. You know, so, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I believe that's a big thing. Um, you know, third, well, I'll call it third-party integration because when that's one big thing we're shopping for at Automation Fair. Uh, you know, we do our in-person training and probably the biggest thing that customers say are holding their customers to you, their students to me. They say are really holding them back (laughs) as far as making these transitions is, you know, they have X PLC on this system, you know, and they have Y on this and okay, they're trying to buy a software to do this, but there's not a great software that works with both X and Y type. Sure. Sure. You know, trying to make it where, you know, that, we can have, you know, that Android operating system mm-hmm. and it could be over here on the Samsung device. It could be over here on, you know, this LG device. We we started talking a little bit more about that flexibility out when I was working in California, just because you have every hacker in the planet out there, like working on PLC. So yeah. you want to, they want to know there's more of that flexibility there. Yeah. It is there, but we know that, uh, 
you know, a, a lot of these companies are pushing like the standardization, which is, which mm. is good in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, mo- moving on from that, um, one more question about, uh, the family business side of things. What's been the most rewarding part of running a business like yours? The absolute most rewarding thing is that really from, I mean, from the time my, you know, well, really from the time Michael was born is I was sitting there building a control panel. He's probably sitting there holding onto my leg the whole time, you know, and that really I've been able to watch them grow up and spend time with them, you know, and you could tell that also the worst part about it is, yeah, they have grown up in this business and they've had to make sacrifices mm-hmm. for this business. Well, let, let me let me go back to something we've touched on a couple times, but haven't really addressed head on burnout. How did you identify that you were heading to that? You talked about it in the context of creating videos based on the questions that would come in. And then how did you resolve or build in habits to make sure you wouldn't go down that path again, or at least get better at avoiding a a, a total burnout? Well, and so obviously as everybody already knows, I do seem to have a good crowd of haters that go around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think people We'll get realize, to them at the very end. We can't, yeah. not, we can't <laughs> not talk about your haters on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize the time it takes to make a video <laughs> and how, you know, a 30-second reply can really beat you down. Mm-hmm. And I let that really invade my channel and that's what i will call it um you know a lot of people well you know you're you're cutting you know you're you're um you're cutting up people's comments when you don't like them well i wouldn't let you spray paint on the front of my house either right and but i let those comments get to me and really it finally came down to um yeah i'm done because i don't know if you know you know i quit youtube for a year Really? Yes. I almost actually almost deleted my channel. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. So I quit YouTube and really every year we, we evaluate everything we're doing, you know, and it's like, all right, where are we actually, you know, what moves are we making that are beneficial and what is dead weight? Mm -hmm. And YouTube was dead weight and it actually ended up on the chopping block. Mm -hmm. And I had, I turned off all the comments that way I don't have to see any of that. Sure. It's like, I don't want to hear it. And in that I missed the better half of the people that were watching my channel. Mm, and also okay. I realized that, oh, wait, what about this guy who was asking this question? Oh, my yeah. God, this guy was trying to get a job interview and had this simple question I could have answered. And yeah. He probably would have landed that job. And, and I started realizing, okay, wait, there there is something here. Sure. But, and that's when I realized, okay, it can't be that I'm making videos completely to serve this audience. I've got to have some reason to do it. And that's where really the curiosity piece came in. It's like, okay, it's got to be something that excites me to learn about and go, you know, make a video on. So your haters were part of the cause of the burnout. Oh, they were 100% the cause. Okay. Okay. So 100% (laughs) of the cause. And then when you took that break, then that was when it became very apparent that, oh, wait, yeah, some of these people suck. Let's just say (laughs) say it like it is. But there are a lot of really good people out there, too, that are doing great things. 98% good people out there. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm regretting not having prepared for this more now because I just had a great idea. What we should have done mm-hmm. is like what they do. I forget which talk show it is, but the mean tweets where celebrities have to read mean tweets about themselves. <laughs> oh. We should have looked up. So I, like, I have a whole list of them. All right. Well, <laughs> but but, so do you? Do, well, let me ask this: Do any come to mind right uh, right out of the gate? Like, what's one of the most ridiculous ones you've heard recently from your haters? You know, really, the most ridiculous ones are. are the ones I really now I feel compassion for them. I know it does not sound like I have compassion when no, I post no, no. their comments. There, there are other people that say the same thing because it's like you know now I realize it's not a me issue; it's yeah. more of a you issue. Yeah, but most of them, you know, want to show that they know something, and they think, "Oh, he doesn't know this. Let me correct him." Yeah, I mean, they're always always corrections, and then it's always like, "No." That's not completely true. Right. But there's no need in getting into an argument about it, you know, in the comments section. So now now I do. And that is a part of, you know, you know, a lot of people, you know, reply to me, you know, why do you reply to these haters? You're just feeding their fire. Well, no, I have to. And I really have to make fun of them to keep my sanity. Sure. (laughs) About that. Okay. This guy right here, he shouldn't have made that comment. Let me just make a joke about here. Good grief. I mean, you can't figure out, okay, like, okay, the one that always comes to mind is, <laughs> is the guy who really is replying, you know, that, you know, I have 120 and 120 and that made 230. And I'm like, okay, we use these terms interchangeably. It's not a big deal, but he made it out like that, you know, because I said that wrong, that, you yeah. know, there was something wrong with it. I'm kind of like, and I, that's what I respond a lot of times to him now. It's like, okay, did you actually learn anything though? Yeah. Or, you know, or it's you usually just nitpicky out. stuff that's beside the point is yeah. what I've found as well. We're talking about electricity for anyone out there that's like, <laughs> yes. that, that got lost there. I'm saying it at the very least. I mean, never mind. Everyone knows what that is. I wanted to add that clarification though. Um, no, that's uh, that that is a great example. Um, and you're fairly, I'd say, playful and and nice all things considered in the way you respond you're not trying to tear yeah you're not trying to tear someone down at that point but you're trying i think what you said is really important right it's part of you maintaining your sanity Mm. like you gotta push back a little bit and then i also find once you do that it's time to walk away from that because usually someone's gonna keep commenting as long as you comment well, and there's, you know, no, I don't let them go on. And you actually, sure. usually I do take them off channel. So if someone mm-hmm. makes a hateful comment on LinkedIn, yeah. maybe I post it on Twitter. If someone makes a hateful comment on YouTube, maybe I mm-hmm. post it on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But also, um, you know, the I love, Amber and I talk about this all the time. As much as you hate to say it, it probably takes 10, com- 10 good comments to really overcome that negative comment. Yeah. And that's... You know, that's that's the downside to it. Mm-hmm. But what I have found, and this is an unfortunate call correlation, is the more that I post about the haters, the less they post on my videos. Really? Yes. Uh yeah, does that okay. make you does that make you sad and you're like, oh man, I kinda I kinda enjoy having that banter oh, there. Well, no, because you do kind of have to beat it back occasionally. But it's so yeah, I, I just I get what did just come to mind. A guy really said something that was completely wrong and completely hateful one day. And, uh, you know, and it, it was long, it was up long enough. This is actually on LinkedIn. And it was up long enough for it to end up in my email notification. And I went, I went to it and it was gone. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. And then I get a message and he's like, I'm really sorry I posted that. I didn't realize 
that this is what it said. Wilford's post, please don't put me on the hater list. <laughs> and I was like, that's almost worth putting on. So your audience <laughs> is getting more self-aware as well. They're like, Tim has a haters list. And maybe sometimes I do say something out of turn and I should avoid yeah. getting put on Tim's uh, Tim's naughty list. To well, say well, yeah, I have to watch it because it's not that you say, you know, I, I love constructive criticism. I think it makes all of us better. Yeah. You know, it's when you say it in a way that is just completely derogatory or you're trying to step on someone while you're making your point. That's yeah. that's where I think it comes into there. So we're, we're towards the end of our conversation. I've got a couple questions to put a wrapper around this and give the audience some advice. So how do you, um, what's, what advice would you give to the folks out there that are trying to do their jobs, whether they're creating content, just going about their business? How, how would, what advice would you give on, let's say overcoming negativity? Um, you know, one, it does take a certain amount of thick skin. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, mm-hmm. just give that part. And, and honestly, part of the reason my hater list is, is probably higher than a lot is the way I go about my videos. Sure. You know, uh, most of your episodes, you start off saying, you know, well, you didn't in this one. I probably should have <laughs> thrown it in there is, you know, how, you know, if you were in a bar, how would you, you know, how would you describe what you do? And right. I try to be that guy that's sitting beside you at the bar. Yeah. You know, so, and I think when I started out in this industry, so many, you know, there were so many barriers that when you get past them, you look back and be like, okay, once you have that knowledge, it, it wasn't that difficult, you know, whether it be connected to the PLC or understanding this and ladder logic. I mean, there was just constant barriers that were really artificial. And so I've always tried to make it where, you know, I lower those barriers. And part of that mm-hmm. is I... I never come at, I never try to come at anyone in a video as an authoritative figure. I try sure. to be right there with you when you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. So if you're trying to connect, I'm almost right there just trying to figure it out also. Yeah, you're not trying to be yeah. a know-it-all. You're trying yeah. to be at like what how would I talk about this if I were a beginner just learning about this as well. But that does invite people that are know-it-alls. Sure. Exactly. No, <laughs> I, I get correct. your point. Yeah. That makes you know, that makes sense. Um but but you know, really don't forget why you're doing something. I think, and and know why you're doing something. Yeah. You know, why, you know I, I, call, I get all the time, but, okay, I want to start a YouTube channel. I'm like, why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what exactly? <laughs> you know, I want you to. Don't don't get me wrong. I think we sure. need more people to do it. But your goal, you know, and they, well, I, I'd like to get, as, you know, 10,000 subscribers. Or yeah. actually, the one yeah. I always hear is I'd like to get 1,000 subscribers. So that I can be monetized and make money. Sure. Uh, guys, I will go ahead and tell you, I have 50,000 subscribers <laughs> and we are not making money on YouTube. <laughs> so, so forget about monetization, you know. Yeah. And, and for, you know, forget about any of those vanity metrics. Now, we need people to hit mm-hmm. that record button and start sharing their experiences, sharing their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will. I'll help anybody that wants to. Sure. But, um, but yeah. You know, remember, you know why you're doing it. And I think if you stay with why you're doing it, then then the haters or the negative comments or, you know, that video that you really thought would do well and has 10 views yeah. a week later. I have this conversation all the time. It's like, I thought this one was gold. Yeah. I mean, I did. I had, I had one recently. I'm like, I mean, I am just looking for it to be number one and have the fireworks. You have that in studio, if you don't sure. know. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was. It's 30 minutes in and it's the number seven. It's like, oh, well, you know, 
It was near lunchtime when I posted that. Ever as soon as everybody gets back from lunch, it's surely it's going to take <laughs> off. And yeah, yeah, I checked the, that evening's number nine. It's just like, oh man, I well, really thought that was it. I, I've gotten to the point where I've got the different channels right. My YouTube channel's like in the tank right now, as as of this recording in November 2022. Right, mm-hmm. that used to be big. Right now, the podcast is what's taken off. So yeah. like, I'm always trying to adjust, trying to figure out what's wrong. I have a similar question to the one that that brought up that conversation of, hey, how how do you overcome the haters? What advice do you give to the folks out there? Since you started a business, you mentioned some of the challenges at the start. Let's let's change this question a little bit. How do you what advice do you have for folks on overcoming the voice inside their head or the doubt of having to deal with those what might feel like a constant barrage of losses sometime? You know, and that that one is it just takes thick skin and just keep trying. I mean, that's all I can say because one, you know, I I am not, you know, this is one that everybody out there in the audience needs to know. You know, I'm camera shy. I mean, I was talking to them right there. You don't come across as that at yeah. all. I mean, I will have to take a nap after this. Though. I mean, you know, so I've learned to kind of, you know, all right, just, and that, I guess that is it. I've learned to put the blinders and be like, all right, we're getting ready to dig in this video. Don't worry. Don't beat yourself down. If all of a sudden I'm like, um, or I stumble, it's not a big deal. You know, if the customer slams the door in your face, then look for another angle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you find, find, you find, find a good community, find a good group mm-hmm. to talk to. And that was probably, actually, that's one that just popped up. Um, when I was starting this company, I actually met with a group of guys. They were all successful business people, mostly, just mm-hmm. by coincidence. Actually. Mm-hmm. But I would go in there and I, I could, See that, you know, I told them about things that were happening and they're like, this is normal. Yeah. I never yeah. forget. I, I I had one customer that I finally realized this customer is a drain on our company. We, I mean, if there's anything that's going to cause, if, if there's anything that's going to cause Amber and I get a divorce, it's this customer. <laughs> and so I went and met with them. Now this customer was over half of her business. Probably. Amber's agreeing, by yes. the way, for anyone that can't, well, since everyone can't see her nodding her head yeah. right now. <laughs> but so I went and met with them. I'm like, guys, I've got, I've got a serious decision to make. This customer, I mean, they're good money, but you know, they're they pay late. They they don't respect me. Yeah, you know, they they you know, that just went off all this stuff. And one of the guys, I mean, was really successful, and he just, I mean, he just casually looks over. He said, "Congratulations, you're firing your first customer." <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So find a group, mm-hmm. you know, of people mm-hmm. that can mentor you and that. You can vent to it. And it's good. Sometimes that is all it is. It's venting and realizing, okay, yeah, this is normal. Everybody goes through this. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes they do have some advice. I'll, get, I'll be honest. It was probably more about venting, though. I don't know that I ever got any real business advice. Sure. As much as I got assurance that you know, this is this is the normal part of the process. I, I think in the way that you were doing that venting to a group of people that knew about the situation you were in because they were business folks they'd been through that before i feel like that is a way of like seeking advice mm-hmm. if you will because they gave it to you and confirmed what was in your head already that it's like i probably need to get rid of this customer and they were like yeah you definitely need to get rid of this customer yeah um wow i don't i don't know if we're going to be able to top that story that piece of advice here at the end but is there anything that that didn't come up in the conversation that you were wishing that that came up um 
You know, the the biggest thing, because I do get this question, is, you know, everybody, you know, how should you start in this? And I, I just got to say it again. Just hit the record button and post it. Yeah. Don't worry about the sound. Your sound is much better than mine, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, guys, this setup, I'm, I'm sitting here watching the setup. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't bring any of my stuff. You got to keep in mind, most people are listening to this audio only. So I got, there's a... a when when it's video, uh, trust me, I was in the middle of some very crowded trade shows recording where it's just like boom, 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 in the background. But, you know, it was video. We made it work, right? Mm. With audio, it's slightly less forgiving sometime when it's yeah. a podcast. So, um, But no, you're right. You just got to hit record. You yeah. got to do it. You got to take the leap. Last question. Little commercial for TW Controls. How would you sum up what you do one last time in terms of, you know, I know you're doing the the panels, you're doing the classes, and then how can we connect with you? Well, you can go and Google Tim Wilburn. Hopefully, I come up or go to twcontrols.com. And yeah, we help you become a better technician. So if you're someone that's out there working on equipment and let's say you're in mechanical and you're like, man, if I just understood how this switch worked, then I think I could get through this. And yeah, we have videos to help you learn that. And they are all free. All our lessons are free, by yep. the way. And yeah, if you are an electrician and you, want to, you think that programmer has got it easy, first, they don't have it that easy. You'll learn that. But yeah, I mean, go ahead. Give it a stab. We have, you know, we have a whole lesson series that, you know, you can walk through and you can figure out, okay, no, I hate this and I'm going to stay an electrician or, hey, no, I'm going to come over and learn it. I love it. Well, I will have links to connect with Tim. I'll have a link to the YouTube page so you can join him in his fight against the haters on there. And uh, I just have to say, we did it, Tim. We had you on Manufacturing Happy Hour. I'm so sorry it took longer than you deserved. Like, you should have been right on here early on. But I'm looking forward to to getting your story out there. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to our happy hour tonight. Yes, uh, in-person Manufacturing Happy Hour. What a perfect way to to tip off the day, top off the day. That's what I wanted to say. Well, folks out there, stay innovative, stay thirsty. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, thanks for listening. And thanks to Tim for jumping on today's show. And really, thanks to the whole TW Controls family and team for being a part of this episode. I don't think it's a secret. I love doing in-person interviews whenever I can because I do think there's an exciting live dynamic to it. So anyway, I hope you had fun listening to this conversation. Hey, now that we've wrapped up, my major call to action is if you are not already subscribed to Tim Wilborn's YouTube channel, you should absolutely go subscribe. You can get a link to that over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 122 plus links to TW Controls and Momentum Coffee in Chicago. You know, that's the other thing. That's where we did this interview, and honestly, it has become my go-to spot for escaping McCormick Place in the morning or the afternoon when I am at trade shows in Chicago. So a lot of good resources at the show notes page. Again, that's manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 122. I've got a few quick announcements before we shut it down for this week. First, Tim mentioned this right at the end, but later that evening on the date that we recorded this, Manufacturing Happy Hour hosted a fantastic party to kick off Automation Fair. This is something that's kind of become a thing over the past year. We had over 100 people at this event, lots of people making connections in the manufacturing industry, and I want to thank Gray Solutions for sponsoring that event. 
They're another group I absolutely need to spotlight on this podcast sometime soon. They are one of the top advanced automation solutions companies in our space right now. I have a link to them in the show notes page for this episode as well if you want to learn more. But I bring all this up because if you're looking for a creative way to elevate your brand or your company at trade shows or other events, I am absolutely open to these type of sponsorship opportunities. So if you want to have your name attached to an actual, literal manufacturing happy hour in the future, email me at chris at manufacturinghappyhour.com with the subject line event or, you know, if you're feeling wild, the subject line party, either works. Again, just email me and we can start the conversation around what an event partnership might look like. That's chris at manufacturinghappyhour.com. Also, shout out to Rockwell Automation and Automation Fair as well for giving Tim and I an excuse to connect in person. I've been attending their automation fair for over 10 years, and I'm not lying when I say this was the absolute best that I've ever seen that event. There were cybersecurity demonstrations. There were an insane amount of focus on like industry verticals rather than like, hey, here's the latest tech in the industry. Obviously, there's that. There's training. There's a lot of great reasons to go. But I, I remember leaving the event this year just thinking it was of the 10 years that I've gone to Automation Fair, easily the best one. So uh, no coincidence. You can learn more about that at the show notes page as well. And then finally, if you want to be a part of the manufacturing happy hour industry community, would love to have you in there. Go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community, and that'll take you to the LinkedIn page. Please connect with me first and write me a message. This is a private group, and I do get more requests than the group can really handle. So if you want to join, please connect with me, include a quick message so there's some context, because yes, I absolutely love to have you as listeners in this group. You know, it's great having you as part of these conversations. Really appreciate you being here, and if you want to have conversations with individuals like Tim or other folks that are really driving the manufacturing industry forward, this is the group for you. Again, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. This has been a barrage of web addresses, so that's it for this week, folks. Stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.